Today we're talking to Jess Lenevel. I'm so excited. She is author of her new book, More Money, Less Hustle, Becoming the Seven-Figure Real Estate Agent. Welcome, Jess. I'm so excited to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So our last podcast was just full of such valuable takeaways for our listeners and viewers, if you're watching. And so I'm just pumped to have you back on. It looks like your life has just been amazing over the past year. You, you've moved, you've wrote a new book. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's been going on. Yeah. Things have been busy. So January, I moved from Toronto to Eleuthera, Bahamas, and we are just living our best lives. <laughs> we bought a, <laughs> we bought a house right on the beach. And so days look a little different. Um, so far it's been absolutely magical. Just like immediately it felt like home here. Um, then yeah, my book was released in the middle of May. And it's a number one bestseller on Amazon, which is crazy. Congratulations. What is it? More money, less hustle. Yep. It's called more money, less hustle, becoming the seven figure real estate agent. Wow. Congratulations. So I know that there have been just years of experience poured into that book. Uh, A lot of good times and a lot of bad times. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure anyone in real estate can relate to that for sure. So tell us a little bit about your book, what inspired you to write it. And uh, yeah, I was never the person who like dreamed of writing a book one day. It just wasn't on my list of like, I got to do that one day. Um, But, you know, so often agents were coming to me having read this book or that book and we're really bought into this hustle and grind mentality. This, you know, in order to be successful, you have to suffer and you have to give up all of these things that you love. And that's 100% the opposite of my philosophy. So I felt like there was a hole and I just didn't want to wait for someone else to do it. So I, I wrote the book more like dictated it. It was, uh, it's very conversational. If you actually read it, it's, uh, it's really just, I talked it out and then we cleaned it up to make it an actual book. Um, it's broken into the seven pillars to seven figures. So we kind of go through each pillar individually. And then I add it's normally what I teach is six pillars, but I added a seventh pillar, which is visioning, um, uh, to the end of the book. And, it's been, uh, it's been fun. I recorded the audiobook last week and that was a whole experience. I told the, my sound engineer that if he ever, you know, needs a Disney princess that I'm in, <laughs> cause it was actually really fun. I expected to hate it, but I had a, I had a blast. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you shared that you, you dictated it, right? Yeah. Because I think that there are, are a lot of things that you know, maybe are difficult to do on paper, but if we can speak them and and use, you know, use the technology that we have at our disposal. Um, so that's really cool. How long did it take you? How long has this this book been in the making? Um, I did about two chapters a week for, you know, a couple months to get everything kind of out and uh, out there, but the publishing side of it is actually quite slow. Um, the, the actual writing of the book and the, the editing and all of that wasn't a super long process. Um, 
I think I looked at three different three or four different cover designs and said, I like this one, but let's do this and tweak this. It was a very, very simple process. Um, I think that it was, yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything that was too stressful about, about the actual process itself. It just takes a long time for all of the publishing side of things to get organized. Uh, but yeah, I was really hoping to have it out in January. No, and it wasn't January. Yeah, I was hoping to have it out in January, but it didn't end up coming out until May, which, you know, was fine. <laughs> it gave me yeah, some yeah. time to, yeah. to move and to get settled in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been kind of constant since then. Mm. I, it's been a lot of podcasts and a lot of speaking engagements and a lot of um, just talking about the book, which is fun. I, I mean, honestly, recording the book was a really great thing last week because it forced me to read it from start to finish again. Yeah, right. <laughs> were there any parts in there that you just, um, you know, when you were talking it out and recording it, what moments of that book really just stuck out to you? I think it made me revisit some of the more difficult times and made me sit in that feeling of what it was like the first, I mean, the first time I ever hit seven figures in my, in my real estate business, um, I was probably the unhappiest I've ever been. Hmm. And, you know, I, I talked about that. I talked about, um, almost losing my husband because I was prioritizing my business and my clients over my marriage. It, it made me go back and really look at how far not only I've come, but, you know, our, as a company, we've come as, you know, my husband and I, how far we've come. It's been a really kind of beautiful journey to like relook at all of those things, but also to kind of break down everything that and all the components of what it actually takes mm -hmm. to build that seven figure business with freedom. And, you know, there's been just so much feedback from people saying, I'm looking at my business very differently. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I think my voice is in the book so much that I've had some people who've been, you know, in my world for a long time who said, I read the book and it was like you in my head, you were reading it to me because it sounded so much like you, which is why I dictated it. Like, again, you know, that's because that's what happened. <laughs> but, you know, over, I think over the last couple of months, what I've realized is how many people genuinely don't have a roadmap and they mm -hmm. don't have a game plan and they're not clear on what they're building and why. And they're so focused on the next deal or the next week or the next quarter that they may end up five years from now waking up one day and thinking, I don't know how I ended up here, which is exactly what happened to me. I completely agree. And I, I think that, you know, the hustle culture definitely uh, can be terrible for your life, uh, for your well being. And to think that you constantly have to be, you know, hustling and hustling and then ending up at this point and you go, wait, how did I get here? And yeah, or worse, you know, those agents that aren't putting the foundation in place, they really never, uh, they never build a business. They, they don't they build a job that they have to yeah. show up to and work every day at. So I think that, you know, the pillars to the business are so fundamental. I know we talked last time you were on the podcast about mm -hmm. how you really, uh, initially when you work with a, a realtor, you really unpack who their ideal clients are. 
Yes. And tell me a little bit about that, because I think that's so important. I think that, you know, many people think that they need to be all things to all people Mm. and that's just not true. So I wanted to kind of hear your take on that. I think that it is not only a fundamental part of marketing, but it's also just a fundamental part of building a business period, because having a target demographic allows you to actually create something of high value. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you are, you know, just like you said, all things to all people, the, the worst marketing slogans that I hear is I'm here for all of your real estate needs, <laughs> or I'll help you buy, sell, rent, and invest from here to Timbuktu. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's so problematic is not only does it reek of desperation, which I, with, and that's not their intention, of course, right. but it basically says, I'll take what I can get. But it also keeps you from being able to hone a a marketing message that's going to break through the noise and that's going to create real attraction marketing. It stops you from being able to actually systematize your business and build a foundation of a business that is predictable and repeatable. Because I think what agents sometimes forget is you don't actually sell real estate. You sell services and you consult on the sale of real estate. And so a lot of the time, what happens is people don't actually have a product. They are the product, which is completely unscalable. Yes. And so without building what we call a signature system, you're not actually able to build anything that is scalable over time because no one is you. Good. That's just such great insight. So how does building that signature system help real estate agents scale? So what it allows you to do is it makes the delivery process more, more streamlined. It allows you to automate things. You you're basically, you're selling the package. You're selling the signature system, right? I have the listings lab method, right? So people come in and they don't expect hundred percent of the people I work with don't expect to have one-on-one, one-on-one time with me, right? They're buying into the methodology and the system and the proven results that come from using that system. It's not Jess's magic and Jess needs to touch every aspect of my business in order for it to flourish. And I think that that is really what keeps a lot of real estate businesses small is that there's this ego associated with my clients only want me. Wait, wait, what? What? Real estate agents have egos? This is is breaking news, right? (laughs) I know, right? Um, I had a coach, I had a coach way back in the day that used to say, you have an ego account and you have a bank account and you can't fill both of them at the same time. So every decision you make and everything that you do, you have to choose. Are you going to fill your ego account or are you going to fill your bank account? And that whole, I am the only person that my clients want and no one can do it as well as I can fills the ego account, but will, it will essentially stop the growth of your, of your bank account. So when you have this signature system that is predictable and repeatable, then you can automate parts of it, Right. And then you can also delegate parts of it or all of it. And that's really where the scalability comes in is if someone is buying into such and such a method or such and such a process, then it doesn't matter if you're delivering it or Sally's delivering it because you're going to get the same level of service and you're going to get everything that is included in that service in exactly the order it's supposed to at the same level. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, 
the difference, this is kind of a weird example, but <laughs> it's the difference between buying, you know, buying a, a handmade purse from a street vendor on the street and not really knowing what you're getting. It's a little fly by the seat of their pants, but you know, they're making it by hand or buying a bag from Chanel mm -hmm. or buying an Hermes Birkin, right? You're getting years and years of expertise and quality, but the same person who made the first Birkin isn't necessarily making it today, but you're getting again, this proven product as opposed to something that, you know, is a little bit willy nilly and that there could be, you know, it may be one of a kind, but it's also, you know, we don't know what the quality is going to be like. We don't know how much value it's going to have in 10 years. You know, there, there's, there's this element of actually creating a real business and a real business has a product or, or a predictable service. So that solves a problem, right? And, all, and yeah. it, it always comes down to all sales, doesn't matter if it's product service or selling a, a scarf in the town square in London in the medieval times, it's problem solution. And so when you create a signature system that solves the, spe the specific problems of your ideal demographic that you're going after, your perceived value of your business increases dramatically. Mm, okay. I like it. So, well, let me ask you this. You said you've been on a, a podcast, a speaking tour. So you're, you're communicating these ideas out into the real estate world. And we kind of all know real estate's been so on fire over the mm -hmm. past few years mm -hmm. and maybe seeing a little signs of a cool down. Yep. So I kind of, you know, I look at the skyrocketing number of people that are now in real estate. It's mm -hmm. astronomical. National Association of Realtors has a record 1.6 million almost uh, members. So again, just astronomically high amount of individuals in this space. I think that maybe it's been a little bit, I don't want to say easy because yeah. the market has presented its challenges, but I think to find those clients, it's been a little bit easier than it had been in the past. Agreed. And so, uh, yeah, exactly. So I guess I want to get your take. What are you talking to your coaching clients about the people that are enrolled um, in your services? What are the conversations you're having with them and kind of how to adapt to the shifting market? I actually think that this is a good thing. Um, I think that the industry as a whole has been undervalued and that people don't have the respect or, you know, the, oh yeah, the respect that a lot of real estate professionals deserve mm -hmm. because of the low barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. And I also think that over the next five years that we will see a drop in the number of people that hold licenses, which I also think is a good thing. Um, again, if we're gonna talk, you know, Walmart versus Chanel. Um, there's a lot of disruptors in the industry. There's a lot of um, people coming in that are going to, you know, take some of that business. And just like any market, you know, we hear about the 80-20 rule. I actually think it's in real estate, it's more like going to be more like the 95-5. Mm -hmm. There's going to be the people who are running really high level properly supported businesses that are going to do really well. And there are going to be people who, you know, are maybe part-time agents or who don't take the businesses seriously, or it isn't their primary focus. Uh, they're going to have a hard time and maybe they'll, 
get out of the business, maybe forever, maybe for a period of time. But I do think that the way that the business is set up and the way that the business is marketed is going to have a massive impact on the longevity of certain teams, certain agents, in especially in more competitive markets. Now, even in a cooling market, you know, so the market is, is cooling, we're seeing you know, it's, it's shifted more to, in most markets, it's shifted more to a buyer's market. Um, I think this is a great thing because it allows you to hone your messaging even more. A hot market, anybody can do well in a hot market. Right. It, it comes down to, you know, who are you speaking to? How are you interpreting what's going on? How are you giving, how are you, instead of just throwing up a bunch of infographics because everybody just knows that it, you know, everything's going up, being able to actually interpret the data and say, this is what this means for you. This is the, the this is where the opportunities lie today in this market. And these are the people who I would say, hang on a second, you know, let's wait six months. That's again, where people are going to build the most value and the most trust. It's the, it's the people who are, who are, you know, myth busting that are going to do well. The agents who are still out there saying it's always a good time to buy, <laughs> they're going to be in trouble. Because... Yeah. We may not trust that. We may not trust that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, and I, I agree. I, I would echo your, your thoughts there because it's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to shine and not everybody's going to rise to the occasion. Yes. There will be many that uh, just, they leave the industry. So let's talk then. I want to know what are some of the, I don't know, what are some of the juicy ways that your clients, your, your coaching are getting business? Like, like what are some of the cool ways that they're lead generating or, you know, I wish that I could tell you that there was like some sexy trick that, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that, that was going to like be that magic bullet, but that's what um, I wanted, Jess. That I was know, all I, I wanted. Um, it's the boring stuff. It's consistency. It's frequency. It's, you know, really doubling down on this human psychology aspect of, mm. you know, why people are moving, what's driving their move, pains and problems, fears and desires. Like it's the, it's the foundational stuff. It's the immutable principles that will get results no matter the market. Um, you know, it's, you know, yeah, you can be on Facebook, you can be on Instagram, you can be on TikTok, you can be on LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. Um, you need to go where your audience lives and learn that platform. <laughs> if you're, it's not a matter of what platform you like the best. Let me tell you, I spend a lot of time creating for Facebook and it is not my favorite platform to sit and scroll on. So it's just a matter of, you know, that's, that's work. And that's where my audience lives. And that's where we get the highest ROI. And so that's where I spend my time from a creation standpoint. Now, from a consumption standpoint, I can get lost in a TikTok hole at any time, <laughs> but it's, it's not necessarily going to be productive time. And so it really comes down to the right message at the right time on the right platform. Got it. Got it. Oh, so and, and I, I like listening to you say that about Facebook. I am, I I'm with you. It is the <laughs> least, like probably the least fun place for me to go digitally, uh, but it is so effective Yeah, still. Um, yeah. so that's yeah. Good advice. Good, solid advice. 
So what would your advice be to the agent that maybe hasn't broke through yet to that level Mm -hmm. of having a team? They want to, they want to scale. They like what you're saying. And they're listening to this going, you know, I, I can see the need for me to have some system and process in my business. That's repeatable, duplicatable, allows me to scale. Uh, So what would your advice be? What are the first steps that you would say to that agent? Uh, The very first thing always is where do you want to be in five years? What does your schedule look like? How much are you working? What does your team look like? How much revenue are you create? Are you generating? And then we can create or reverse engineer from there. Um, we've got people in our programs who want to sell in three years. And so what we're actually building is, is a, a high valuation product mm. for them to sell. We have other people who want to do seven figures and not be in production. Also f- totally doable. We have other people who want to do eight figures and want to be the dancing bear and the face and the brand and the, the voice, <laughs> and they want to be everywhere. And that's a, those are all, all three of those things are very different businesses. So there isn't one way to be successful and there's not one way to, to build, but it's, it starts with where are we going? And then the plan can be created from there. So the first thing that I would say most people want to look at is let's do a full audit of everything that you do Mm -hmm. and look at it from, you know, in the beginning, look at it from a, a cost standpoint, how much would it cost you to get this off your plate? Can it be eliminated? Can it be automated? Can it be outsourced? Which comes from Tim Ferriss. And if it can be automated, then it gets automated. If it cannot be automated, only then does it get outsourced. There are way too many people out there that are paying an assistant or an administrator $20 to $30 an hour to do a job that a piece of software can do for 500 bucks. Ooh, okay. That's powerful. Give me an example of that. Um, just the button pushing stuff, mm. the emails, the, just the, like the basic day-to-day, the contract to close, all of that stuff can be automated. And there is no you, reason for an actual human being to be touching all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely know that we get stuck in the minutia. I was reading some report about how many hours of our lives we spend like on email, right. And just, re, you know, <laughs> replying to things and, and deleting emails and all of this stuff. And you just, when you look at it in aggregate, you realize like, that's a lot of time. That's a yeah. lot of time I'm wasting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so you go through a complete audit yeah. and you, you kind of eliminate and and provi- provide ideas for, for strategy and for execution, it sounds. And, and even with me, like I energy audit every six months mm-hmm. because the things that my time is worth will change over time, right? The things that are on my plate and on my calendar as, as my business grows changes. And so sometimes it's a new piece of software or something being removed or something new that's ended up on my calendar that shouldn't be. Sometimes it's a new hire or a new VA or someone else that is going to take something. Not only do I energy audit every six months, every single person on my team does. So we know this person is worth this much, this much per hour. And anything that is below that is outsourced onto someone else. My COO is not spending time in my, in my Facebook messages. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's, there's all kinds of ways that we kind of categorize things based on every person on our team's strengths and weaknesses. 
as well, as well as my strengths and weaknesses, as well as the, whether it's a high enough leverage activity. So the, the goal over time, and this is again, why every team looks a little different is to find that person's zone of genius. And then the ultimate goal at the end of the day is to get everything that's not in that zone of genius off their plate. And that can take a year. It can take two years because obviously there has to be a certain amount of revenue coming into the business in order to support all of these changes. But that's always going to be the end result or the, the end goal that we want so that the person who is actually the visionary of the business or running or leading the business, they're only doing the things that are worth their time and, or the highest leverage activities in the entire business and that are in their zone of genius. And that really gets to be like the, like the pinnacle of success. And sometimes that means working two hours a day. And, mm -hmm. and that, and that two hours is going to be worth, you know, $50,000. Yeah, I agree. I agree with, I wholeheartedly with, with your, your beliefs and how you coach and, and teach. So definitely good stuff. I think that, I think that kind of this all sounds great. Right. And I think that as we're listening and as the agents that are listening to this, they're, they're getting behind this, they're going, yeah, I need that. But I would bet that there's some skepticism. Oh, hundred percent. Right. And I, and I would imagine you deal with that a lot. Uh, and so kind of walk us through what that skepticism might look like. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, share with us kind of how you, how you can turn that around. So, I mean, it's the skepticism of course is going to be there because we didn't always have this kind of ability. We didn't always have this technology. Most of the trainings that most of us have gone through for years and years were built in the seventies, the eighties and the nineties because, yeah. and the world is so different, <laughs> so different. When <laughs> yeah. I got my license, I got a big gray pager that I was so proud of. And then after that, my first cell phone was this pink Motorola razor. And if you even just think about like the actual hardware that we're using every day, that has changed dramatically. But we have all kinds of systems and all kinds of tools and all kinds of technology. Facebook was a Facebook wall when mm -hmm. I first got my license with, with, a, with, I think with like a, it wasn't even marketplace. It was like classifieds, right? Everything has changed. And a lot of us have been indoctrinated for so many years into these old school trainings because, you know, our brokers are the people who are now running brokerages for the most part. And I'm, this is a blanket statement tend to be older and tend mm -hmm. to be retired, successful agents. Now those agents were, who are going to teach you what they know and what they were successful doing, which is the stuff that was seventies, eighties, and nineties. And so a lot of the opportunity that we're seeing today didn't exist then. And so isn't as prevalent, prevalently talked about. Um, if we look outside into other industries, we all know real estate's usually five to 10 years behind. Mm -hmm. If we look at other industries and other service-based, you know, companies, all of this stuff is possible and it's happening every day. And it's just the, the skepticism I think comes from so so many years of being told one thing that when I go and I tell you that that's actually not the case and all I, I can turn this over on its head, people are thinking, wow, that sounds really good, 
but that also sounds crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I get it. Exactly. Yeah. I get it too. And that's why I I asked. I, I, cause I, I can almost hear the thoughts of the agents um, as they're listening to us. They're going, Oh, this is sounds too good to be true. Are you kidding? I could never automate contract (laughs) to close. Um, well, and, and if you think about it too, right, uh, there's, a, there's e- even just like the people fight me so much on my clients only want me. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think, you know, you walk into a Tesla, de- a Tesla dealership, Elon is not going to be standing there to sell you your car. No, he is right? not. And, and so often we get so, and like, that's a huge, on a huge, like a huge scale thing, but even from a smaller standpoint, there's so much ability for people to, or to transfer trust. If you actually have something that's repeatable and that you're selling the product or the service instead of selling yourself. And it does require a fundamental change or shift in messaging because probably for however long you've been in the business, your primary messaging has been, I'm so great. Yes. And when you have to, it's scary to shift that from I'm so great to what we do is so great. Mm, Very wise, very wise. Well, real quick, before we end today, I want to touch on the disruptors. We are the Mm -hmm. iBuyer experiment. Yep. We do talk about how technology is changing real estate. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of love to get your take on what you see as disruptive in real estate right now. I think disruptors are great because I think they shake things up and they make people better. And, you know, have we seen them all? Absolutely not. There will every single place where you leave a hole, someone will fill it. And most people want two of three things. They want better, faster, cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so many agents are trying to compete with the cheaper mm. and they can't, and they never will be able to. So again, can you be better? That's where the longevity in the business really comes from. Can you be better? And faster doesn't necessarily mean faster. It just means more efficient and more scalable. So if you can be better and faster, you don't need to be cheaper. And there will always be the ability for someone to come in and be cheaper. So, you know, I think that disruptors are a great thing. I think every industry gets disrupted. And I think, you know, the agents who sit around and complain and rant about whatever company has come in (laughs) to whatever market, that's not actually an effective use of your time and energy. Instead, think, okay, great. This is here. This is the reality. What do I need to do in order to differentiate myself and fundamentally provide the value that I need to, or how can I even take this, this disruption and use it to my advantage? It's the people who are thinking about things like a real business and looking at a market and not just looking at their bank account freaking out that are going to do really well. (laughs) Solid advice as always, Jess. Well, it has been a pleasure. Uh, It just feels like we've been talking for a few moments. I know. I know our time is up. I am so appreciative all the way from the Bahamas joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I want the info for your book. We're going to link it. We're going to link it into this episode so that uh, you can grab her new book, More Money, Less Hustle. I love it. Thank you. 
Thanks again, Jess. Thanks for having me.